0: Hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. We try to answer the question, what's God doing? What's it actually like when we go through the hills and the valleys of life? Um, Friends, I want to... I'm your host, by the way, Eric Nevins. You guys know me. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. So today, um, if you haven't, uh, I want to just encourage you to go out to... Uh, halfwaytherepodcast.com. Uh, hit that link for eight-day experience. I've been putting these out uh, every couple weeks for the last month or so, and I'm hoping that uh, you will um, check, check those out uh, if you're looking for something a little bit different in your Bible study time, something contemplative, something that gets you really thinking and into the Word in a way that you maybe haven't done before. Today, I'm excited to bring you uh, my guest. She um, has been through all kinds of things in her life. She is uh, retired and does a lot of a lot of work um, around the world, actually. She'll tell us a little bit about that. And I can't wait to hear her story. She is Idella Kircher. Idella, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric.
1: Thank you for allowing me to come
0: and share. Yeah, I'm so glad to do that. And um, it'd really great to meet you. We met through... Um, uh, Tanya, I, I I know her, but I couldn't think think of her name. Uh, through Tanya, blessing, and uh, who's a couple time guest on this show. So um, I I knew that uh, if she said we should hear your story, that God's done some amazing things in your life. So why don't um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing now, and then we'll go back after that.
1: Okay, um, well today I'm a retired person. Um, love. Ministries and love, um, especially to work with women, and have been involved in in quite a few right now. I am uh, working with a ministry called Thrive, and I'm excited. In the next few days, I'll be going to one of their international retreats where they host um, global women working um, in in really difficult places sometimes, and put on a retreat where they have counseling. And so, you know, some soul care and fun and um, worship, and it's so it's an exciting time. And I volunteered with them several times. This will be my third time internationally with them.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, so this is a, a ministry to women who are on the mission field or working in other countries, right? And so, just a chance for them to take care of themselves a little bit and and get some get some rest and relaxation.
1: Yes. And that's, that's so important because statistics would say that uh, people don't last on the field very long because there's quite a bit of burnout and as, as investments in made are made in them, it's hard if you lose them really in a short period of time.
0: Yeah. There's so much that goes into that whole process, whether it's fundraising or, you know, you're moving your family overseas. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. And so all those things, if you, you know, if you lose, somebody just burns out, it's kind of a lost investment. Um, but also, you know, if God's called them somewhere, they need to, they need to be there.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, it takes a long time to learn a different language and mm-hmm. and to, to get your, um, you know, kind of get embedded in their culture. And so you want them to be able to stay longer. Yeah realizing yeah. it is it's
0: difficult. Right, absolutely. But the reality is they are making a really tremendous sacrifice uh for the gospel and uh sometimes it's it's for a short time and sometimes it's for longer but either way they they need to have that kind of encouragement and and uh just pampering maybe. Self-care, right?
1: Right. Yeah. It's so important.
0: I love that. Well, I love that you're doing that and you have you have the time to do that. Um, it sounds like you've been on a couple of different trips, which is which is really cool. I want to go back into your story. So I know that you grew up in a Christian home, and you were that family that was at church every time the doors were open almost, right? So what was that like right. when you were growing up?
1: Well, we went to church you know, probably three times a week. I don't know that churches are open as, as much as they used to be, but you know, you would go twice on Sunday and once in the middle of the week. Yep. And and probably as I was growing up, I didn't appreciate that so much or sometimes didn't appreciate having to go. Right. But I have found in later life that that foundation, you know, just that foundation and God's Word has continued with me. And, you know, you hear it and it stays with you. It doesn't, what is that verse? It doesn't it,
0: Come back to you, void or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It says uh I wanna say that's in Isaiah somewhere, that the words the word of the Lord doesn't come back uh without producing the result that he intended for it. So yeah, it sounds like you got a really good grounding um in in kind of in the in the word. You uh gave your life to Jesus as a as a young girl at nine years old. What was that like?
1: Right. And, and, you know, I don't think that um, because I had been so grounded in it, there wasn't a big experience. Sometimes I I wish I had a, a wonderful uh, experience that I could share with people, like people that come to know the Lord later on. But for me, it was just really so, um, so part of me that it just was so easy just to say, make that commitment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've learned from doing this show is that generally the people who um, like, I'm, I'm like you, I grew up in church, you know, gave my life to the Lord early. And uh, those of us like that often wish that we had a more dramatic story to share with people. But the people who really have the dramatic stories, I mean, I've interv- I've interviewed one guy who gave his life to Christ while doing cocaine, like well, all night reading the Bible, right? So crazy story. I guarantee you if he could have the story that you just shared where he was he knew Christ his whole life, he would take it. So I think it's a it's awesome that um you know you had that sort of grounding as a as a kid. You gave your, you know, profession of faith. Um that was good. So it sounds like and then you went into you were in young life as a as a teenager and in high school. Right.
1: I went to young life in high school and went on to so work in a Young Life Club, when I went to college, I went to a, a Christian college. It's now Point Loma University. It wasn't named that when I went, but um, went on to work in, in a Young Life Club, came back after college and continued to work in a club. Probably was involved with Young Life pretty heavily into my 40s.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. What was it? So what was it about that program that really invested in you so much that you wanted to stay involved with it all that time?
1: I I really just liked the way that they um that they want to earn the right to be heard with young people mm-hmm. and they um you know walk beside them. And I think there's a there's a wonderful community of young life people. It seems like Almost everywhere I go, I bump into people that have been in young oh, yeah. life at some period of their
0: life. that is so true, and I think even uh the some of the stories on this show bear that out like I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who have either been in uh leadership or you know gone into ministry with young life um or came to Christ through young life. I mean that's pretty profound
1: right yeah right and it it was something. You know, it was something when, when people were going into different things in high school and all, it was a group of friends that were just wonderful to stay with. And it has played out in my children's life and my grandchildren's life as well.
0: Oh, yeah. That's that's an amazing impact. I love that. Okay. So I want to get into some more of your own personal story with the Lord. So how do you remember a time uh, when you when you learned something like when you were either like just reading scripture voraciously or you were digging or learning something in a Bible study or something that really kind of, um, became a foundational idea for you or just, you know, kind of changed your whole idea of who God was. I think that my, um,
1: well, my relationship with God deepened as in the, in my twenties when I, um, experienced a loss I had, I don't think until late into my 20s or into my 20s I had ever experienced a loss things had gone so perfectly for me mm-hmm. or easily for me and so you know you you know God and you have committed your life to him but I didn't really know that I really needed him as much until I had a, a baby that died and um you know, gone through a hard pregnancy mm. to deliver a baby, and then he didn't live um, very many days, and and that was a time when I really um, had to call on the Lord just to to support me and to fill me. And
0: yeah, well, tell us that story um, if you if you were okay doing that. Um, give us you know just take take us into that moment, kind of what that experience was like.
1: Well, I um the last maybe and it's it's a very hard time because it seems like when that happens everywhere you go afterwards you know there are people with babies and yeah. um, and so you feel feel pretty empty and at the time I was chairing uh, Christian women's club and it was just shortly after this experience when I was there and a speaker said um, God was in his heaven, and all was well with the world, and I, I, I sat there feeling like I, I don't know that that's make You know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling like everything's well with the the world. Yes, and I, I found myself just really praying that, um, if this was God's plan for me, that I had already had one child, and if it was His plan for me to have um another one, you know, or wasn't was His plan for me not to have another child. I just needed him to fill my arms and fill my empty arms. And I needed his presence more. And it was that time when I felt like I really surrendered and said, it's okay, God, you know, I will, I want to follow you, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, it was just an incredible experience for me to look back on now because I, um, We had applied for adoption before I had that pregnancy and then gone through the nine months of the pregnancy and thought we could go back and, and talk to the adoption agency and they'd be real ready to let us have a baby, which they weren't. And, um, and so it just seemed like God just opened door after door after I made that surrender pretty quickly, where the adoption agency transferred us to a new, um, caseworker who was a Christian and, you know, just thing after obstacle after obstacle fell until, um, we were approved to have, have a child. And, um, the day we were approved, and this seems almost impossible but they remembered that they had a baby girl that they'd forgotten. She was three months old and they kind of forgotten oh, no. they had her in a foster home. And so we got approved one day and we got her the next, which was an incredible miracle. And as I, you know, look back in hindsight and look at her, I just see how God's plan was there for me. You know, to, she's been such a blessing uh, in my life and uh just has, you know, you couldn't ask for a better child. So that has been just a real sign for me of how God cares for us.
0: Yeah. So I think that's so interesting. I mean, I'm not going to say that there's a, a causal relationship at all, but I think your uh, ability to, you know, be in such pain, obviously it's it's so difficult to lose a child like that. Um, you know, the moment, yeah, I don't have to tell you, but I'm sharing with our with our friends. You know, when you're you're waiting so long to have a baby, and uh, it's just a time that's just really full of expectation, and then to to lose that, it can be very hard. Um, but to to, to come on the other side of that and just and to surrender to the Lord like that, that's a that's a really profound moment, Adela. It, it was, uh, you know, I think the
1: beginning of a real. Real time of being able to just trust God, Um, and I, you know, there's been many other things in my life um, Mm. that I've I've needed to go back. I know in Joshua, one nine it says, "Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and discouraged." And I've held on to that so often.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's such a great uh, encouraging verse. In fact, I wrote that verse. We, we were doing some tile in our mud room where we kind of, we come in from the garage all the time. And uh, I wrote that verse underneath one of the tiles, be strong and courageous. Cause I wanted to just have that kind of embedded in our, in our house, you know, um, knowing that those times would come. Well, so you yeah, said that yeah. that was kind of the start of your surrender. Like you, you obviously that's a, that's a, a big one. You, then you had, um, you know, the Lord, Lord brought you an, another another baby girl. um what happened after that and how how so what else started to make you trust or what else did in what, what other ways did you have to trust the lord?
1: Well um you know it wasn't too many years after she was born that I realized there were some real cracks in my marriage and um and I think that that can even happen when you lose a child. But, um, had to really, uh, you know, press into the Lord with that, with knowing that there were things about my marriage that weren't right. And I think it is still this way today, but back then, nobody I knew had ever been divorced, it mm. was pretty uncalled, you know, in the Christian world. And I had this feeling that good Christian women don't get divorced, so I stayed. I stayed a very long time or a long time that I should, probably wasn't healthy for me. And I remember, uh, I, some of your listeners might remember Dr. grounds, Brennan ground, ground oh, yeah. who was president of the seminary, mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. And I, I know at one point he said to me, and this was at close to the end of my marriage, he said, sometimes you just have to cut off an arm to save your life. And, and I came had to come to that really hard decision that, um, you know, I, I was in a really unhealthy situation, unhealthy for me and unhealthy for my children.
2: Wow. And so
1: went through a, a divorce, which, you know, was very hard for me to do. It was hard for me because I had also gone through um, a cancer, having, um, a, having cancer, parathyroid cancer. So, you know, there's a lot of fear there. There's a fear that how could I even survive um, on my own? And um was doing a lot of Bible study and, and in the Word a lot then. And I know I came to Isaiah 40, 10, where it's, and I love this in the message where it says, don't panic, I'm with you. And I felt like I was really panicking there for a while. Mm,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, there's a thing that happens, especially when we're going through hard times like that, where our brain puts us into like that fight or flight mode, right? And right. and so, you know, a message like, don't panic, I am with you is a really powerful reminder that we can just dial that back and trust the Lord. Wow. So right. I want to know what it was like, because I, I don't know, you know, depending on, I don't know all, all of our listeners, all of our friends here listening with us, um, but You know, I don't know if it's, it's such a different culture today, you know, so can you take us into some of that, um, some of that culture where divorce was just not even a common thing or like, it wasn't, wasn't the thing to do and then why that would have been such a troubling, you know, thing to even consider?
1: Um, I think back then it was just really um, hard in the Christian community. I think it, it is a little bit still today because I, my heart is really with women because of the several things I've been through. And so I, I really like to see women um, reach their potential and grow and all. And as I've watched them, I think sometimes it's really hard because I think in the Christian community, back then at least, they didn't quite know what to do with you. And you know, how do you Yeah. Where do you where do you fit and how do you fit in and and so I have and still do wonderful friends that walked through that with me. But you know, there were some that you know, you wouldn't always get invited to things, you wouldn't mm-hmm. you weren't a couple anymore. And that right. that, was, that was hard. Hard to be um single in that oh, yeah. respect.
0: Yeah, and that still happens, right? That that's definitely a thing. It was one of the problems, you know, p- divorced people go through. I watched my parents both go through that. You know, all your couple friends, you kind of lose because they don't know, they don't want to take sides, and it's it's kind of hard. Um,
1: it is hard, and they and it's hard to invite a single to a um, yeah. out outing sometimes, and so you don't quite know how to handle that.
0: Right, right, and it's you know. Yeah. It just can feel kind of awkward sometimes. And yet, you know, those are the people who need community most, you know? Um, yeah. They need it the
1: most right then. And, you know, sometimes can feel really isolated. You know, I hope that I'm more sensitive to people um, or people going through that. Cause I know it is, it's really a hard time. I don't think you ever do that um, easily or don't have a lot of, Hard you know, hard times to go through when you go
0: through a divorce. Yes. You know, that that's the one thing. I was so I'm so glad you said that because I think one if you've never had that kind of uh, you know, relationship where you're like, no, I actually need to not be in this relationship, even though, you know, uh, you know, we we had planned to be together forever. Uh the I think the thing that gets glossed over or missed, uh, is that yeah, okay, we can go through hard times, but The reality is sometimes, you know, nobody does that decision lightly. They sometimes you just, this is is the right decision. Make, you know, you have to make your decisions wisely and with the Lord. Um, And you got some very good advice, I think, from Dr. Grounds. He he was uh, at Denver Seminary when I was there as the, uh, I forget what his role was, chancellor or something. Um, But I've always looked at him as a picture of, uh, sort of spiritual maturity, you know, somebody who really uh, knew the Lord and just kind of exuded the love of Christ. And so it sounds like he even, he even right. offered that to you.
1: Right. He was, he was a wonderful friend, him and his wife. And, um, you know, that was really good advice because it was something I struggled with. It wasn't something that happened overnight. It t- it was years in the making Yeah. Um, because of that. And you know, I, I've always had my my favorite verse I think is Jeremiah 29:11 because I've had to hold on to that so often you know where um he's where God says these are the plans um that I have for you to prosper you and not harm you and to give you a future and a hope because sometimes you don't feel like you have that future and hope.
0: Right. Right. And so, sometimes you have to just trust the promise. Um Right. That, that know the Lord does have plans for you and you can trust him and you already had, you've already seen his provision in some ways. How did that, how did that experience seeing his provision with your, your child was a daughter? Um,
2: right.
0: You're both a son. Oh, a son. Okay. son. how, well, how did, how did, um how did that experience change how you went through the later hard experiences?
1: I think that it it taught me to really go to the Word and spend time in the Word. And you know, I can remember just eating up the Psalms at that period of time. Mm. I mean, at the period of time in my marriage where I just spent so much time in the Psalms and really crying out to the Lord and really, you know, feeling a comfort from him and a peace. I mean, I think I think that you can find joy in a lot. You know, in times when you go through hard times, may not be happy, but you can have joy that God gives you.
0: Yes, well, and that's the thing I like to talk about because, you know, you you can't learn you can't learn that unless you go through the hard times, right? Right. So you have to you have to experience it. Um, yeah, I don't even. I can, I'm. I want to ask more about how that. You know, do you have a specific story about a time when you're reading a psalm and it was it was like, oh, God is going to be with me. God is this is okay or it expressed something that was in your heart?
1: Well, there, you know, I can just go to the point where um I was kind of at the end there and uh was uh, talking to a friend on the phone just crying out and I had over that year the year when all of this kind of came to a head, I had four major surgeries. So I was, you know, not quite myself either. And I, I remember, um, the man in a a Sunday school class that I was going to came by to see me. And, and I said, I just want my life to have a smell better. I want to have that beautiful, fragrant aroma that the Bible talks about. And, um, I said that to him, and then as um, things really unfolded in my marriage and I um, you know, found out about unfaithfulness um, and stuff, I was praying with um, a friend of mine, and she, she said, I just want to, uh, I don't know what to say to you. Let me just go pray for a while. And she came back, and she came back with that um, in the last chapter of Philippians, Where it said that your sacrifice, and I'm not saying that I had a great sacrifice, but it said your sacrifice has a sweet smelling aroma and my God will supply all your needs according to his, you know, I can't remember the words right now. But, but, um, you know, from that point on, I don't know that I held it right there except for the assurance that God had me and that he was going to care for me. And you know, as I look back from where I'm at now, he has over abundantly supplied my needs. You know he's gone far above just my needs and taking care of me. It seems like,
0: yeah, so I know that but, you you mentioned to me before that um you know as your marriage is falling apart, you're worried about how I'm going to take care of myself, what you know what's gonna happen. You had some remarkable circumstances that um you said could only be attributed to God. Tell us that story.
1: Okay. So I I was a a core leader in community Bible study and went to leadership one morning and, and said, I just really need to find some bookkeeping or some, some kind of work to do. Um, And uh, a woman that you know, I was just getting to know then went home uh, to her, to her husband, who had just started a software company. And that was back in the beginning of software. You didn't have software packages. very, You know, you didn't hear about that. But she went home that night, that very night, and, and he said to her, you wouldn't know somebody that could do some bookkeeping because because we need that. And so the next day he called me, and I went to work for him. And worked for him for for almost 30 years in a in a software company that, um, you know, went f- from one person to 9,000 and um, I was their first employee and it wow. then went on. To, it's part of Oracle um, software today. It, it sold to Oracle, but, you know, went through, you know, a lot of exciting times uh, in the software business and the wonderful, Wonderful thing about him was that he had these this culture document that we lived by, and every employee heard it and you know knew that this is what he lived by. And the number one thing they had in that culture document was to honor God in everything we do. Oh wow! And he he honored God so much, and and the company was blessed so much. But in, in that, I was blessed so much. you know, from being there at that time. Yeah. So personally and financially, you know, it took, it took me from being a real ordinary person into, to really having an extraordinary life, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah. So can I ask what, like around about what time you were working there? What, what years? I know you said 30 years, but like, when did you start?
1: I started in 76 and the company was sold in 2003.
0: Okay, wow. Okay, so that's like the golden years of being in in software, right?
1: Right. I mean the years working up to the year 2000 when people were when companies were worried about um the century code and all. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was where and then we um the company was the first company to have a package software where we, you know, had things that worked together, like uh, finances that worked with distribution and manufacturing and so forth.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think it's pretty pretty easy to look at that, and it's easy from here, but uh to look back and go, wow, the Lord knew that that industry was about to take off, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs>
1: Right, right. And put and, you in
0: the right place at the right time to not just provide for you, but provide for you abundantly.
1: Right, right. And, you know, I go back to that verse in Philippians where he said he'll supply all our needs. And just, you know, he really did. Um, I, I, you know, had a divorce. I think I got two months of uh, child support was all. And so. Wow. You know, but God just supplied um all of our needs so so miraculously and he and you know he brought um the owner of that company and his family into my life and his the way he honored god was and does still today is just an inspiration for so many and so it was really an inspiration um and I really learned a lot you know learned a lot about generosity and
0: mm. Many
1: different things from them.
0: Well, tell us about that. How did you learn about generosity?
1: Well, um, and I've been involved in generous giving and generosity for a a long time. But I think I learned it from him, from the man I worked for. He went, he was at the barber one day getting a haircut. And they were talking about, um, you know, giving and tithing and all. And the barber said to him, "Well, you don't tithe for other people; you tithe for yourself, so that you're not, you know, you don't have greed and doesn't allow greed to take hold in your life." And I, that was such a great example for to watch him and his generosity to employees, to others. He he um, that we started a company foundation where we gave a percentage of our um, cash every year into a foundation where we really um, focused on inner city giving and uh, and primarily, primarily we gave in Denver although we were an international company and did some things in other cities but that was um, just such a great example of somebody that really walked it walked the, the generous life to watch him and to know him today even
0: yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so what have you learned about yourself through all of this?
1: I've learned that I'm kind of weak and I need a savior for sure. I need somebody to care for me. Um, That has been a big thing. I've learned um, about myself. I don't know. That's a hard question. (laughs) Yeah, but but I, I've learned just the I've had wonderful friends um, Christians in my life. Uh, they have just enhanced me so much. I learned, um, you know, uh, about myself how much I love, and I think that your passion and what you want to, um, if you think about your purpose and your passion, it kind of comes out of pain a lot of times. Yeah. And so you know, it, it, I've developed a real passion for women, and for women that go through hard times. You know, I have a passion for women that are abused, um, women in the workplace, just to see them um, grow and change. Because back, you know, as I started work, women weren't in software very much. They don't go into math and sciences that much, and so yeah. Um you know I I just have um through myself and my experiences have just loved to see women blossom and grow and even today and thinking about women that are trafficked that's a mm. a big problem and a and a big issue oh yeah and I have a real heart for that
0: um do you know Jeff Brodsky? who no, I don't. with Joy International okay he's I thought he's in town here I thought you might know him but um I he,
1: think I've, I've met him once.
0: Oh yeah, okay. But, um you know, he told me one time or I might have heard him in a when he was speaking once, but he said Denver is the fourth uh largest um place for trafficking in the country.
1: And that that's true. We have some major highways that come through here. And and you know, it's hard to think about it. It really is oh, hard to think about it. It's unbelievable. It. Um, you know, and I've heard that over in the Denver Tech Center, it's really big in some of those hotels there. Oh wow! And that—that's—I mean, I I spent my career in the Denver Tech Center, so to me, that's a shocking fact.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> kind of an unbelievable thing. So, how do you how do you help them, or what do you you know? You mentioned that you're helping women in the workplace. What's your how? What's your method of doing those things?
1: My method, well, um, well, I love, I just love people, and I love women, and to see them grow in the workplace. You know, we did several things, but you know, I, I was a mentor. I really um, uh, tried to mentor, and I, I still talk to the women that were working under me back then and encourage them. And I have gone on to mentor a lot of people. So working with them directly, I've worked with Providence network probably for 25 years and they have a home for women coming out of abuse. So, you know, I was, I, I believe in giving your, your time as well as, you know, as financial to help these organizations that are, you know, giving so much to help people.
0: Yeah. That's, that's wonderful.
1: Providence has people coming out of abuse, not only the abused women, but they also have people coming out of addiction.
0: Oh yeah. That's good. Well, what, um, so what do you think is next for you? Where do you think is your, like, when you look at the future, what do you want to see as maybe your, your legacy or your impact?
1: Well, I I I think right now in this part of my life, part of my legacy would be my grandchildren. I just want to see my children and then my grandchildren, you know, grow up with a heart for the Lord and to go to become generous and to become giving. Uh, A couple of years ago at Thanksgiving, I gave everybody these little generosity cards that I had that gave you something you had to do every day, and it wasn't all financial. It was, um, you know, to encourage somebody to find somebody that needed something or there were times when you give to somebody else's charity, you know, and it was so fun to see the kids go through that, that month and then come back and tell their stories at Christmas just to hear what that, you know, how that changed them in thinking.
0: Oh, I love that. What a practical little way to just influence who they become.
1: Right, that, I I have um, shared that with a lot of people because it was a it was a great experience as a family to do it.
0: Yeah, and then just to encourage them to share, I think that's so powerful. Obviously, this show is all about sharing our stories to let it out there um, because when we do, it's powerful. It you know most of the Bible is narrative, and that there's a reason for that. Um,
1: I I love people's stories. That's one of them. You know, something I just love. Yeah. Uh, My kids, my grandkids think I ask too many questions of people, but it's just because I love to hear about them and love to hear their stories.
0: Yeah, that innate curiosity, I think, is very powerful. Well, uh, Adela, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? I
1: can't think of anything. You know, I shared that. I I think I showed you that that little poem that my mother always recited. Yes. And I don't th- I don't know that you want me to tell you, you the whole poem.
0: You feel free but, if you'd like to.
1: But I do like that. I do like it because it it's. I think it was by Corey Timbloom, and it's "Life is um, but a weaving." And I like the fact that it it really makes sense what it says. Life is but a weaving. Uh, between my God and me, I cannot choose the colors He weaves. St- he weaves the steadily. Oft He weaves the sorrow, and I foolish pr- and I in foolish pride, forget He sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shutters cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful as in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern He has planned he knows he loves to care nothing this truth can damn. he gives the very best to those who leave the choice with him and I I think that says it so so well because I don't think we always understand when the threads of our life are dark and we don't understand them because we're looking at that underside but he knows what's necessary to weave a wonderful pattern of our life
0: Mm, amen I love that Adela, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story here. You've been through a lot, and I know that um, God has been faithful, and you've learned um, to trust Him through all of it. That is a beautiful testimony to the rest of us, no matter what we're going through, to trust Him as well. Um, Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Well,
1: thanks for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate that.